You're listening to Nearly Numinous, a podcast all about the religious side of life. Every week we chat about different religions, spiritualities, and other beliefs. We do roundtable discussions, deep dives into histories and religious studies theories, and interview different religious leaders or practitioners. For full transcripts and more information on each episode, you can find us at nearlynuminous.ca. Welcome to this week's episode of Nearly Numinous. This week we're talking all about Pancake Tuesday. But wait, there's more. We decided that in honor of our previous episode on communal meals, we would treat this a little bit like a communal meal over here on the podcast. All three of your hosts are enjoying their own homemade pancakes and we're going to chat a bit about Pancake Tuesday, but then we'll also share a little bit of our lives with each other and our listeners because building community is all about sharing meals and conversation with each other. eating um, my new favorite pancake recipe, which is uh, a a gluten-free banana uh, pancake recipe. So it's just essentially, um, I kind of, the recipe kind of changes a little bit every time, depending on like how much flour or uh, bananas I have to, uh, like with the bananas have to get rid of. Um, And so it's just uh, bananas, some, uh, right now I just have just regular gluten-free flour and then some water. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's all I added this time anyway. And I usually burn them, but today I didn't. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and it's topped with maple syrup and peanut butter. Mm, Are those your go-to toppings or do you like to switch it up sometimes? Uh, those are definitely my, my go-to. Um, sometimes I will do some yogurt. That's kind of nice. Um, but yeah, I really like, uh, maple syrup and and peanut butter. I love peanut butter. That sounds deathly to me, but also kind of <laughs> yeah, good. I'm sorry, Rachel. <laughs> literally deathly. Not like, she's not talking like metaphorical here, guys. It's, it's I would literally, literally die. <laughs> so Rachel, what are you having today? I have my Gucci Gourmet Aunt Jemima pancake mix uh, with my Aunt mm. Jemima pancake syrup. Um topped with butter and I'm trying a little bit something new I just started trying Nutella on my pancakes um because even though I'm allergic to peanuts I'm not allergic to tree nuts anymore so I've just gotten into Nutella and it's it's so good I love it I want to have it with everything that sounds magical it really is Mm -hmm. okay hot take question for both of you What's better, pancake syrup or maple syrup? Maple syrup has, like, a stronger taste. Um, And I think that probably, like, just because it's so so authentic, it tastes good, pancake syrup. Like, at least the fake kinds, like Aunt Jemima, no offense, Aunt Jemima. Like, it kind of just, like, it tastes very fake. But you know what? I, like, I still... 
I'm obviously still loving it. I'm still eating it. <laughs> I like them both. Like I grew up on uh, like pancake syrup, um, but just the last the last couple of years, I, I switched over to maple syrup, and there's no going back. Um, although I would, if I needed, I would have regular pancake syrup. If like all the maple syrup was sold out in the world, I would probably have pancake syrup. Perish the thought. Maple syrup. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So I would say that I'm a diehard maple syrup fan. And I think that, so for those listening, if you uh, don't know us personally, then fun fact, we all live in Kingston, Ontario. And there's a ton of maple syrup produced in this area. And so to me, why would you have pancake syrup when you can literally like, I could go around the corner of my house and probably find a sugar shack and get some fresh maple syrup. Mm. Yep. Or order it through the farmer's market. Exactly. You didn't tell us what type of pancake you're having, Steph. Me? I'm a... We all know I'm a bougie cook. Uh, If you follow me on Instagram, you know I'm a bougie cook. So I'm eating homemade crepes. And uh, I've got some fresh fruit inside with some fake cheesecake. So I just do cream cheese with some uh, powdered sugar and vanilla. Mix it all up. Throw it in my crepe. Oh, yeah. I go all out for Pancake Tuesday. And every meal. Oh, my gosh. I spend like three hours making dinner every single day. That's what I've been doing during the most recent lockdown. I'm so lazy. I just want food inside my body. (laughs) For me, it's the whole experience, you know? Before we get into it, I just want to say, if you hear quacking in the background, I don't have a duck in my apartment, but I do have a parrot, and she makes quacking sounds. So uh, the troubles of recording at home, um, there's going to be some background sounds from me. Why does totally she quack? Like quacking? I have no clue. She just started doing it in the past year, and it's she sounds exactly like a duck. Do you hang around a lot of ducks with your bird? Uh, no, but I don't know if you guys know this, but I do run a duck Instagram. Um, so <laughs> I don't. What? <laughs> go follow Ducks of Kingston on Instagram. Um, we haven't been updating this year very much because, you know, being inside, but, uh, I know I'm a bit of a weirdo, uh, follow me on my duck Instagram. Uh, maybe she's, (laughs) this is the greatest (laughs) thing I've ever heard. Maybe she's been like, I don't know, looking through my phone at the videos of ducks quacking, uh, half my photos on my phone. I have heard the parrots are really good at looking through phones (laughs) and scrolling through Instagram. With their little fingers, she like does the thumbprint. Uh, ID thing to open on my phone. Yeah. Oh, that's the greatest thing. <laughs> All right. So shall we dr- jump into the main course of this episode? Get it? Good one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So what is the deal with Pancake Tuesday? What is it? Why? What's happening? Is, is it a holiday? Is it us just eating pancakes on a Tuesday? Somebody tell me, please. All of the above. So if you've never heard of Pancake Tuesday before, you may have heard of it referred to as Shrove Tuesday or Fat Tuesday or Pancake Tuesday, as we already said, or Mardi Gras, 
which is French for Fat Tuesday. Um, so the reason it has these names is first, Shrove Tuesday, which comes from the word shrive, which means absolve. Um, Fat Tuesday, Pancake Tuesday, or Mardi Gras are all referring to the tradition of using up all of your sugars and fats before the start of Lent. Before the start of Lent, where you are supposed to fast and keep yourself from eating these items. Yeah, so like Jacqueline mentioned, the feast day, uh, Shrove Tuesday, Pancake Tuesday, all that. That's the feast day before the start of Lent, which is on Ash Wednesday. And... Pancake Tuesday is basically the day for using up all of your sugars and fats before the start of Lent, where you are supposed to fast and keep yourself from eating these items. So some traditions will also practice by burning the palms that were distributed during the previous year's Palm Sunday, and then this then turns into the ashes used on Ash Wednesday the following day. So if you haven't participated in Ash Wednesday, um... You can either go to a service or more recently these days, you can sort of do like a drive by Ash Wednesday where you uh, go up to your priest. They uh, will give you a little cross of ashes on your head, at least in the West. Um, and then you can go on your day. Uh, basically, Ash Wednesday is a reminder of our um, sinfulness and mortality uh, one of the things the priest might say to you is remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Um, so it's basically a reminder for our need to repent, which is what we do uh, via our fasting and, you know, all that throughout Lent season. Did you guys ever do Ash Wednesday in school? I went to a Catholic school. Did you guys, You yeah, you've, you've done it, Jacqueline? Yeah, I did it at my um, my old university, uh, was Christian, and so then there was a chapel that you could go to if you wanted. You didn't have to go. Um, and I was just going to say my favorite thing about Ash Wednesday would be um, when people would go to the service, either at my university or elsewhere in the city, uh, and then get the, the Ash cross on their forehead, and then proceed to forget that they had the cross on their forehead and then go, would go like take the bus or whatever and just like walk around <laughs> with this ash on their forehead just pretty funny oh that's great I never really participated in Ash Wednesday I think my church growing up would kind of do like start of Lent services and I think they would sometimes do a service on Ash Wednesday but we didn't go into the full like ash on the forehead um, I, I want to chalk that up. I might be wrong here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to chalk that up to the fact that I grew up in a Presbyterian church, and I feel like that's not as practiced in Presbyterianism. From what I've read as well, um, like Lent and kind of the fasting of Lent and Ash Wednesday seems to be more widely practiced by Anglicans, Lutherans, Methodists, and Roman Catholics. Um, otherwise, I don't see it coming up as prominently in other traditions i think it's obviously still celebrated but i don't think it's as big of the ritual i think it it especially has to do with um like pastoral just responsibilities because uh the easter season gets like really really busy so there are these smaller kind of holidays like ash wednesday or um right before good friday um there's monday thursday and so it really depends also just about the resources of a particular church and if like the pastor can like take the time to to actually like organize those services and so i think that's a huge part of it too so even if like a denomination might um like officially uh celebrate it um 
a particular church might not, and then those people might go to a different church to celebrate. So it's quite common to do like joint services for a lot of these things, just so there's not so much responsibility on a particular pastor or priest. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So I was a pastoral intern, so. <laughs> so Our resident yeah. expert on the subject. <laughs> All right. So my favorite thing about doing this podcast is like we're obviously not experts on everything so I think all of us spend a lot of time researching uh like different things to bring in and make this podcast interesting and so I spend quite a bit of time looking up different traditions and like ways people celebrate like Pancake Tuesday or a variation on the term and so I found my favorite thing and it's called the Pancake Bell So the first instance that they really saw this written down somewhere was in Thomas Decker's 16th century poem uh, called The Shoemaker's Holiday, uh, which is not to be confused with Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet's The Holiday. Um, (laughs) And so it comes from a passage that says, Upon every show Tuesday at the sound of the pancake bell, my fine dapper Assyrian lads shall clap up their shop windows and away. This is the day, and this day they shall doot, they shall doot. I have no idea what doot means. Is that um, the sound of the bell? Maybe. Maybe it's the sound of the bell. Doot, doot. <laughs> but basically, the premise of this bell is that it's rung at at or around 11 a.m. on Pancake Tuesday, and that was a signal of the time that people should stop their work, and as it says in the poem, board up their shops. Um, just the Assyrian lads, I guess. Nobody else. Uh, I don't know. 16th century poets. But it also has been used in, like, to call people to confession. So as uh, we were saying before, I think Jacqueline mentioned this, that Shrove Tuesday comes from the word shrive, which means to absolve. So the idea is you feast and you also seek absolution from your sins and so that's what this pancake bell signaled um which is a really a much deeper meaning than you'd think something that's called the pancake bell would mean (laughs) so there's a fun little story about um that happened in england so in in some towns in england there's a tradition of a pancake race where a ton of people put on costumes uh which seems to be mostly aprons and bandanas Uh, where you have a pancake in a frying pan and you flip it at least three times and run at the same time, trying to get to the end um, of the race first, which is at the church where you serve the pancake to the bell ringer. So apparently this started in a place called Olney, uh, where in 1445, a a woman in the town heard the pancake bell while she was making her pancakes and ran to the church in her apron, still holding her frying pan. So that's kind of a fun story. I also heard that apparently at the end, if you reach the bell ringer first, then the bell ringer has to give you a kiss. <laughs> oh my god! Right? So I would fun. I would avoid being first. <laughs> yeah, I hope I'd the be bell last on purpose. <laughs> Maybe if the bell ringer was attractive. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's like a kiss on the cheek or something. I'm sure it's some like hokey little tradition. But <laughs> all right, so something else that I found when I was doing my research on this was there's a lot of talk about if like Lent celebrations like Pancake Tuesday, or especially when you see it in like Mardi Gras, if it has pagan roots. Um, 
so okay i have a i have an issue with this subject because it seems like every single time there's a celebration where people whip out their titties then it has to be some dionysian sacrificial ritual and like come on just sometimes people just want to celebrate and party but to get more into like the specifics of why people think this is no i hold on yes, i agree with, with you titty. like sometimes it's tuesday and you just want to whip your titties out like you should be allowed to do that yeah <laughs> exactly especially if pancakes are involved i don't know about you but sometimes the sugar helps, <laughs> and, you know you just... sometimes you're just feeling it so much and you just like gotta whip your titties out be like, yeah, I'm enjoying my pancakes. It's a Tuesday. What? Yeah, that seems to be the history of it. I don't know. I, I don't think this is tied to Dionysus in any way, but, you know. <laughs> Jacqueline hates this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, my main concern is, are you already finished making your pancakes? Because, like, oil, that would hurt. It's true, especially if you're adding bacon with your pancakes. Oh! Yeah, like, just, just wait. Yeah. This just podcast wait does not condone <laughs> cooking without a shirt on. Be safe. For safety. Be safe, everyone. Be safe. <laughs> All right. But to just go into a little bit more about, um, like, why people think this. So, again, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think people are really reaching here, but they kind of tie it in with the idea of, like, the spring infertility rites, especially Lupercalia, uh, which is... More often linked, it seems, to Valentine's Day. So it's a ritual and fertility right where um, it has to do a lot with, like, marrying people off, kind of. Uh, but also, funny enough, Lupercalia in its, like, OG state was a lot of people just running down the street naked. <laughs> so I think that's where they see, like, the link between, like, Mardi Gras and this festival um, but that deck didn't actually apparently last for long. By, like, the early first century, first or second century, they stopped running down the street naked, so. But yeah, honestly, like, these links to the these pagan celebrations seems kind of sketchy at best. Um, it most likely just seems like people are reaching and trying to make, like, these more of these Christian celebrations link up more directly to, to pagan rituals. Yeah, so that they can make a moral judgment about, mm -hmm. yeah. Like the, the party. Yeah, what really seems to have happened is that the Christians may have used a bunch of different religious rites that they saw everyone else using and then put them into a pre-Lent celebration. But uh, it doesn't seem like they actually took over another holiday. However, the idea of it being linked to spring is pretty cool. You know, spring is a time for spring cleaning and Lent is kind of like spring cleaning for the soul. So on Pancake Tuesday, clean out your cupboards of all the sugar and clean out your soul of all your sins. I think this episode should be titled Lent, the Spring Cleaning of the Soul. That's pretty much <laughs> what it is, yeah. Instead of running down the street naked and flipping pancakes, uh, how about we just catch up and share in our communal meal today, guys? Yeah, I mean, it is pretty cold. I don't, I don't know. I don't really want to run down the street naked right now. Nope, the windchill's pretty pretty cold. There'd be some stuff uh, freezing and falling off, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. 
All right. So speaking of the cold, I don't know about either of you, um, but I've actually just been like hibernating the past few weeks. So for our listeners, uh, if you're in Ontario, then you know this, but if you're not, um, Ontario has been in a pretty strict ish lockdown since uh, December 26th. So we had stay at home orders. We were told to stay home, stay inside, don't go out. Um, It was a little vague, though, because you could still go shopping. But uh, anyway, we're finally out of that. And I know that for me, that's meant going back to work, reopening the bar that I work at. But otherwise, I haven't really been doing anything too exciting. I know both of you are more into school and research and doing cool things like that. Maybe, uh, Jacqueline, do you want to fill us in on uh, how school's going? Yeah, so I haven't really done all too much either. Other, Like, I've been hibernating a lot since the lockdown, um, but also because, like, all, all of school is online, so I don't need to go anywhere. Um, yeah, I haven't been really doing too much research for my myself. Uh, right now, it's just been, like, I'm a TA for uh, religion and pop culture, um, a first-year course. Um, yeah, and then I'm in two other courses, which are both great. Um, one's in black studies, one's, um, it's kind of like learning about alternative ways of, of writing, um, in ways that kind of disrupt like, uh, colonial patterns of writing, um, how to make it more accessible, um, how to, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a really cool course. It's kind of, it's kind of a lot's going on in it, but it's something that I'm really enjoying. But yeah, I also haven't really been leaving my apartment very much. I did leave today because we are now in the green, uh, the what's it called? The, the, the green, green zone. Yeah. The green zone, which if you're not from Kingston, please do not come to Kingston right now. Let us enjoy our green zone because we have, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Stay away. Yeah, we worked very hard to wear our masks and not spread the virus. Yeah. yeah. Like Torontonians and how do you say Otta? we love you but please don't come to kingston right now yeah all right so i'm actually very curious about this course i i want to hear more about you know disrupting traditional colonial ways of writing do you have like an example just like maybe one example of something that you've you've learned in this course um so we've covered a lot of different topics um the thing that's freshest in my mind is um the idea of affective writing and so how um, in the last couple of decades there's been kind of this push towards um, writing that really highlights um, experiences of trauma and how this has been really important for like educating people on the effects of um, like colonization on indigenous communities or things like that Um, but then what, what ends up happening is that when that's the main way that um, these sort of experiences are portrayed in writing is that um, there's this consumption of trauma that um, happens. And so um, we start to only really like value these, um, these writings when this person's being quite vulnerable. Um, and so there's this whole, this, this whole debate about, you know, oftentimes uh, we think that by reading, um, we can like put ourselves into other people's shoes, um, maybe through like reading novels or whatever. But at the end of the day, we're not actually putting ourselves in people's shoes. Like there's no way for me as a white, as a white person to, when I read 
a novel um, by an indigenous author, <clears throat> even though it may feel to me as I'm reading that maybe like it feels like I'm experiencing that, I'm not. Like I'm not experiencing that trauma. And so um, we, th these last couple weeks, we've been talking about like what, how, how can we um, participate in like advocating for these sorts of communities? For me, it, it would be um, in disability studies. Um, how do we do that without, without relying on trauma, which has kind of become like a, a standard uh, way of writing and that we expect people to, to write. That's really interesting. I think, um, obviously, as coming from someone who knows nothing about this subject, you would know way more. But I can't help but think the fact that the way we've traditionally gotten people to care about activism and other people is through evoking empathy. And mm -hmm. I think that does come down to a lot of that, what you're saying, like effective writing, like affective writing. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to use that trauma and personal experience to draw out emotions from other people to get them to care about you, um, which I know is we're slowly, I think from an activism standpoint, people are slowly starting to pick apart and say, how come I have to get you to care about me from an empathetic level before you'll actually care about me from like a political government, whatever standpoint, right? So yeah, I think that's exactly. really interesting. And a very, I, I don't know, I think that's a very complex subject because I mean, empathy is a core human emotion. Um, so then how do we maybe adjust how we feel empathy, I guess? Yeah. And like, how do we, how do we teach um, like high school students or young adults to uh, read novels, for example, um, in a way that, yeah, that makes them aware of these things and, and the nuances of empathy. Um, that just because you're reading Anne Frank's diary doesn't mean that you understand the experience of Anne Frank or that you understand the effects of the Holocaust. Like you, you don't because you weren't there um, and it's not your experience. And it's like reading these things are very important for sure. Um, like there's a reason why like Anne Frank is, is read so widely in high school curriculum, but like, yeah, there's, there's more nuance there. Um, and we need to be aware of that. So how do you go about teaching high school students how to do that? To read, um, yeah, to read critically, to read, yeah, I don't know, just more nuancedly. I think uh, going off the experience of the Holocaust too, just again, bringing in like this idea of evoking empathy. I don't know if you guys ever saw, what was it, Jack Rabbit that came out? Um, I have, I personally haven't watched it, but I heard that, is that the name of it? I, I don't know. Hold on. I'm going to check to make sure that that's the name of it before I go off <laughs> on a, a rant about it. <laughs> Jojo Rabbit. That's what it's called. Okay. Okay. So I'm not sure if you, you have either seen Jojo Rabbit and... I, I personally haven't watched it, so I, I don't want to get too far into it, but I know that it received a lot of criticism because it almost tried to draw empathy towards Nazis a little bit. Like, it wasn't necessarily trying to be, like, Nazi sympathy. It was just trying, like, it almost, like, kind of crossed that line. I think I remember hearing about this, but I don't know much about it. I Yeah, I haven't heard about this. Anyway, we don't necessarily have to talk about it. I just thought it was, like, an interesting 
perspective into that idea of like reading and empathy and other people's experiences I don't know (laughs) yeah no that's that's a huge thing uh especially um well as we know like most most wars in history um most European wars in history are just between like two countries that I don't know like like it's maybe not over like a huge huge deal they're just I can't even remember like what are like in the 18th century, other than like revolutions, like some of the wars are just like for no reason really. And, um, and so finding empathy for the people on the other side can be really valuable in that. Then like you see their humanity, you see, oh, like they have, they have children too. Um, but that, yeah, especially with World War II, that gets really dicey when, when it starts um, getting linked to Nazism because then yeah then it then it kind of comes across as like justifying nazism and that's really dangerous so like this kind of when is it appropriate to um to encourage empathy towards these sorts of ideas um for nazism i would say never but i don't know that's are you laughing at stuff no i'm laughing at the at what you said like yeah, it's probably to better to stay on the safe side of never not encouraging <laughs> empathy towards Nazis. <laughs> we can yeah. we can get rid of that. But like <laughs> But you know what I mean though? Like it's like like World War One even, like the empathy for the other side is still like an okay thing because you know, that was like what was World War One about anyway, right? But then, but then you get to World War Two. No, it's a good question. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, like, how? Where do you draw the line? That's. I would love to take that class. Actually, that sounds super interesting. Mango, shut up. We're not talking about. We're not talking about World War Two in that class, though. Just to be clear. I, no, I got it. <laughs> okay. I. Yeah. I don't really have anything going on right now. I don't have school. I'm hopefully going to school in September, but waiting to hear back from scholarships. Um, I don't have work right now, um, but, you know, with uh, the city opening back up again, I hope I can go back. I've mostly just been watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race and a lot of YouTube drama videos. So, like, really spending my time on quality stuff and... Uh, and kind of just lying in bed all day. I've kind of been, like, wasting away. It's been sad. But, you know, it could be worse. could be worse. So what are you hoping to study in your PhD? So I am hoping to continue in religious studies. Um, I have been accepted to the University of Edinburgh. But, um, you know. That's so exciting. Congrats. Thank you. Uh I obviously couldn't go this year with COVID. Um, Again, hoping September is going to happen. But money and COVID are both an issue. So it's kind of just a waiting game. Uh, Life is a waiting game right now for as it is for so many people. So, you know, just trying to find ways to pass the time. Um, I've been going on walks, weather permitting, which is nice because I don't really do that very often. And with gyms closed, it's nice to, you know, move around a little bit. But yeah, it's not much has been happening, but 
I'm trying to look at it like a sort of blessing in disguise. Like, it's really nice to not have a lot to do right now for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I get that. I, uh, people always ask me, they're like, oh, how are you faring with the lockdown? I'm like, as an introvert, I love it. I get to stay home and not do anything and not talk to anyone. And then when I want to talk to people, I, I can. <laughs> yeah, and you don't, like, you're not made to feel guilty about it. It's it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I can't hang out. Not because I don't want to, I promise. <laughs> we're it's because we're all introverts, pandemic. right? Yeah. Yeah, so we're yeah. all, we're all like, so. you know, this sucks staying at home, but also it's great staying at home. Yeah. What have you been up to, Steph? I have been... Uh, like I said, just kind of laying low for the most part and just working on maybe some like personal projects. So I launched a blog. Like I said before, I love to cook. So I launched a blog so that I can put up recipes. StephBeyond.com. Yeah. So that's been exciting. It's been nice to actually, I find I've always wanted to do stuff like this, but I'm always the type of person that's like, oh, I gotta, like, if I'm gonna do something, there needs to be, like, a reason that I'm doing it. Like, I need to have, like, an end goal with it or whatever. So it's, like, being in school, working, making money, things like that. Uh, so it's been kind of nice to, like, have some forced downtime, I guess. So yeah, I've worked on that. I also, I, I'm still working, so this podcast, if you're listening to it live on CFRC, well, not live, but playing on CFRC. That's the radio station that I work at. So I've also been working there, getting some new programs launched and some new radio stuff done, which has been really exciting. So it's been kind of nice having this podcast too, because it's given me a bit of an excuse to kind of keep up my academic side of life, I guess. So every time I see like fun little articles about like, is this religious? I'm like, ooh, let's talk about it on the podcast. (laughs) And I know both of you are probably so sick of me sending links to articles in our group chat. The most recent one uh, that I sent to you folks that I'm very excited to maybe one day talk about is the rise of the Peloton Sunday service. <laughs> yeah. What's that again? Did, Did you not read the articles I sent you, Jacqueline? <laughs> I read most of them. <laughs> what, what's this one again? Refresh so my, my this one is about apparently on Peloton. So you know Peloton, they're the, it's like a. Do you know Soul Cycle? Jacqueline knows nothing about pop culture. <laughs> no, I, so, I really don't. Uh, last year, just just for listeners, uh, last year Steph and I were teeing together, and like I understand memes to to an extent, but there was one one tutorial session. Um, that was supposed to be dedicated to memes. And I was like, I, like, I don't know what else to say. Steph, can you, so Steph gave me like a crash course in memes and what to look for so that I could lead this tutorial. I said, <laughs> so I really so don't many know memes. much. I remember, I remember <laughs> towards the beginning of the year, I was hanging out in the grad common room and you guys both walked in and Jacqueline was like, uh, Steph just introduced me to Lizzo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I really opened up your world, you know? <laughs> the funny thing is, I like I haven't really expanded my uh, my my music um, since since then. It's still it's still the same people it's as it was though. before. <laughs> no, you I know actually what? you like what you like story. and it's OK. Uh, totally valid. I'm just, 
Nashville. Like you, you never need anything more than the Nashville soundtrack. It's true. I mean, (laughs) I have a playlist that I've saved on my phone that is every single song that was in every single episode of Nashville, and it's like seven hours worth of music. So you're set. (laughs) It's gonna be a long time before you hear the next song. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially for speaking as someone who used to hate country music. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. No. Oh, man. Okay. Anyway, going back to Peloton. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the Peloton, Peloton is this company that they make, um, like exercise bikes and treadmills, but they're synced to their like online workout system. So it has, like, this little tablet on the front of it, and you can actually log in and do, like, real-time live workouts. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. (laughs) If you're listening, if you're listening, you obviously can't see what's happening on our Zoom call, but Rachel's bird is now front and center on her little Zoom cube, and it's quite amusing. She likes to see (laughs) her faces and peck at them. Oh, that's awesome. Have you ever had to replace your computer screen because of that? Um, no, but I have had to replace computer keys from her tearing them off. Oh, man. Daphne's Daphne's discovered computers. Sorry. Oh, no. Interject with another story. No, this is a good thing. Um, so I, I, I played one of those, um, like bird videos for like cat television on my computer. And since then, she's just been enamored with my computer. Um, so we've been watching Queer Eye together a lot. She quite enjoys that. Um, yeah, we were watching Outlander, um, and she really likes the horse scenes. So, yeah. Oh, that's great. The I've nature. never done that yeah. for Ruby. I've always thought about it, but I've never tried it. I don't yeah. know if she'd be interested. She's kind of a weird cat. Like, she doesn't like normal cat things. <laughs> just give it a go. I didn't think Daphne would, would like the, the cat television, but she just got really into it. Got really confused. Because the bird would disappear off the screen, and then she would look around the room for it. Very oh, confusing. That's so fun. I wonder <laughs> if we put a video of Rachel's bird in front of our cats. <laughs> I'm thinking a nearly numinous live stream. What do you think? We'll put all three of our pets on and just watch as our cats follow Mango around. You're the room. just training them to kill her. Thanks. <laughs> They'll never no. be in the same room. They're fine. <laughs> Just watch <laughs> intensely. Also, so sorry, Steph. Keep keep going with your story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we said this podcast was mostly going to be a catch-up, so clearly it is. <laughs> no, so anyway, the Sunday service thing is basically there's this new class on Sundays where it's, like, very religiously charged. And now, like, Peloton users are logging in and they're saying, you know, like, this has been great. I haven't been able to go to church because of the pandemic, but now I can log in and do my soul cycle ride or Peloton ride and feel like I'm having this like religious experience. Um, and it's hosted by this guy who has this like master's in theology or something. Anyway, fascinating. I think it's absolutely fascinating. Like read scripture while they're running or what? I don't know. I think it's more just the music element of it. It's like, and it's like, apparently the language in it is very much like, you know, reach into your soul and, you know, overcome those obstacles. You can do it. It's, like, very, like, self-empowering stuff. That reminds me of that that bike exercise class in Schitt's Creek. Um, Do you guys remember that? It, like, turned out to be a cult. Yeah. And it was, like, 
That was great. Bike to the gates of heaven and, and all of that. That reminds me a lot of that. Oh no, it was the step class thing. It was those weird step Right, machines. it was a step class, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, before we sign off, do we want to give the listeners a sneak peek of some of the episodes we've got planned that are coming up? Ooh, good idea. All right, so if you tuned in two weeks ago, we did an episode on St. Bridget and Celtic Christianity, which we kind of hinted in that, that we were going to have another episode coming out soon that's kind of a follow-up. Jacqueline, do you want to give us a little teaser of that? Uh, Yeah, so in March, we're going to do an episode on St. Patrick. So it'll probably be very similar to the style of the St. Bridget one with some storytelling as well. Some like Celtic, Irish music playing in the background. Um, Yeah, just kind of talking about the history and controversies of the person that was and is St. Patrick. Hint, it's not just all about drinking. No, no. (laughs) <laughs> he didn't really drink too well, I assume he drank because he was in Ireland. And there's, as we know, lots of stories about turning water into ale. So clearly he probably drank a decent amount, but his stories don't really re- revolve around that. He just like banishes snakes from Ireland. And uh, I think he turns into a deer at one point to like run away from somebody. Just typical so, Irish still stuff. pretty cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next week... Uh, I'm working on, with quite a bit of help from Rachel, an episode all about the charismatic leader. So this will be fun because we're going to talk about what is a charismatic leader. We're going to get into kind of like quote-unquote cult stuff. Uh, And I say that in quotes because um, that's not a word we like to use. But it's how we're going to get you to listen and be interested in the topic. And we're also going to talk about like political leaders and celebrities and why we're so enamored with people who are charismatic and how that's inherently religious so that'll be cool um and i'm very much looking forward to that i also have another episode in the works that i'm excited about all about manifesting because oh my gosh if i hear one more influencer say like i manifested this i'm gonna be like sorry what (laughs) but anyway I'm very interested in the topic of manifestation because everybody's obsessed with it right now and I want to talk about the idea of like new age religions and how these kind of things have become so prominent across like social media and how this has become mainstream culture. For another episode we have in the works in March, I believe, is an episode about the 100. Is that how you say it? Is it the 100 or the 100? I don't actually okay, know. Okay, I'm just going to go with the 100. It's Yeah, that's kind of yeah. what I assume I think. It's an episode. Yeah. It's that. an episode all about the 100 and uh, the elements of religion and spirituality you you can see in it. So, if you guys don't know, it's a show. It's also a series of books, but we're going to be focusing mostly on the show. It's a show that is 7 seasons long um, about these it starts off about these teenagers who are sent to earth after what was it, a nuclear apocalypse sort of um and it's a basically it's basically about them having to survive and spoiler alert there are people already surviving on the earth and they meet up with them there's 
it's it's pretty interesting. It's it's a good show. You guys should check it out, especially because we're going to be talking about it on the podcast next month. Yeah, I haven't watched this at all. I have so much TV to watch. Luckily, I have nothing else going on in my life, so. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a good show. You should all watch it. All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to our little catch up of what's going on going into our spring-ish season. We're really looking forward to having these episodes. If there's something that you wanted to speak your mind about or if you have a topic that you want us to talk about feel free to reach out to us you can either get in contact with us on social media so you can find us on facebook and instagram we're also on twitter we're just not as active on twitter uh just search for nearly numinous uh we also have an email though so you can reach out to us at nearly at gmail.com and if you ever forget any of that just search for us and our website will come up with all of this information on it and all of our past episodes. And our website is super easy to remember too. It's just nearlynuminous.ca. So we have a lot of stuff on there, transcripts, episodes, uh, little bios about us, and soon we'll have little bios about our pets too up there. this week's episode of Nearly Numinous. For full transcripts of every episode, check out nearlynuminous.ca. There, you can also find links to subscribe to us on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Have a topic you'd like us to talk about, or would you like to be a guest on a future episode? Reach out to us at nearlynuminous at gmail.com. That's spelled N-E-A-R-L-Y-N-U-M-I-N-O-U-S at gmail.com.